podcasting originally. Okay, nice. That is uh, that's good to know. Well, I got to get him on the show. I got Chris. I got to Phil on. It'll be fun. Uh, Cynthia, ya cuando estás lista? Oh wait, we're good. Um, so Cynthia hit it. She got us live. Sweet. Uh, I want to make sure our producer <clears throat> knew we were ready to go, but she's ahead of the curve as always. So, uh, S.A. Grant, let's dive in real quick. We're going to dive right into the books, the resources. If you had three resources you want to leave for visionaries or entrepreneurs, what would they be? I think first and foremost would be um, Sun Tzu's The Art of War. I mean, it, th that book is, is so timeless and there's so many different variations to look at that book. You could look at that book from a works like aspect, but you could also look at it from a business aspect, a life aspect. I mean, you could take anything and ad lib and change out the verbiage for whatever topic matter you're trying to do. And it just fits into those 13 chapters flawlessly. Perfect. One and done? One and done or oh, one no, three? No. I mean, second, second to that one, I would say it would be a movie. And it's been a movie that's always been timeless for me to kind of make me to where I'm a futurist at heart and I've always been. But until that movie came out, I didn't know what that really was. And that movie was Matrix, the first one. So 1998, that movie came out. And I think I've seen that movie at least probably I was in high school at the time. And I've seen it at least probably like 20 times in the first couple of weeks it came out. Like literally you went to drive-ins movie theaters and just seeing the movie over and over again. Cause if you think about that time frame where technology was considering where it is today, you can kind of see the foreshadowing. So like being infused in that, that world and being infused into that system, you can kind of see where we were going. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And then last but not least, I would say Napoleon Hill's um, outwitting the devil, which is not one that mm. most people talk about, but outwitting the devil is kind of very comparable to um, the art of war in the sense that, you know, everyone has that internal voice that's telling them something negative or something positive. And it's like a banter between both of them. You're always arguing, going back and forth. And that book personifies that. It's like literally a conversation with an individual with the devil and the devil's trying to trick him and he's trying to outwit the devil at the same time. And that's life. Absolutely. Well, dude, way to way to pull out the Napoleon Hill book that isn't often talked about, right? It helps everybody else who's like, oh, I thought I was gonna say thank you, Rich. Like now we get to double down. And in addition to that, so funny, yesterday uh my guest recommended the war of art. Mm. And I hadn't heard of that. I was like, man, am I having like dyslexic issues in my brain? Oh, because I, I hadn't heard of that one, but and he really threw down like this is a phenomenal book. Um, and so <clears throat> we got some great resources today to talk about. I'll also say that those of you listening, the resource that I'm going to recommend is S.A. Grant of Boss Uncaged. Uh, he is truly throwing down. If you don't know who he is, start looking him up, start going and, and seeing his podcast, learn everything you can about Boss Uncaged because he's leading by example. And I really appreciate what you're putting out into the world, my friend. So we'll come right back. <clears throat> we'll bring you on stage. We'll talk about your vision at large. And uh yeah, we'll, we'll dive in, visionaries. If you have any questions that you want us to ask, don't hesitate to put those in the comments. Um, you know, Or if you have a testimonial for S.A. Grant as well, feel free to drop that in there as well so other people have context on what he's doing for others. All right. Welcome in to Vision Pros Live with Jackson Callum. I'm your show host. We will be doing interviews for visionary entrepreneurs and guest leaders who are building fantastic visions out there.
What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Vision Pros Live. I'm your show host, Jackson Callum, founder and CEO of First Class Business. I am uh, probably too excited uh, to bring on S.A. Grant. I'm a bit nervous because of it. Um, he is a legend in the space of podcasting, in my opinion. Um, and in terms of growing the podcast industry and where we're going, he is leading by example in so many ways. Um, he lives here in the States right now. He's moving over to the Netherlands. It's going to be interesting to see like, you know, how that changes the dynamics of his perspective on growth worldwide and, and what's there. And he's also involved in PodFest Global and much more. We're going to talk more about that in a minute. But the best thing that you can do um, if you <clears throat> if, if he's a new resource to you is go and subscribe. Go see what's going on. Go see why I'm so excited about this out of the 190 guests that we've had on this show. Um, again, why I think it's so important and so valuable to follow what he's putting down and paving the path forward for those of us who are also on the podcast path and in the business growth, entrepreneur, motivation space. Why? Well, for me to drive purpose, um, to make sure that I'm serving the 8 billion people who need help on this planet. If that's you, then of course, feel free to subscribe to this channel too. With the sponsors that we have here, a quick shout out to Melissa Gray of The Lost Spot. Um, she was on this show as well. You can catch her episode. Uh, I was very nervous to bring somebody who is <clears throat> a lawyer, an attorney on my show. I was like, man, that's not too inspiring for me. Most of them are very uh, contentious people. Uh, they tend to condescend. The exact opposite is true of Melissa. She is a lioness. She has strength. She does not need to force it. Um, she's so great at helping people realize that the law does not have to be complicated and she breaks it down in simple fashion. And I see too many entrepreneurs out there who do not have their legal protection in place. They don't know who they would turn to. And that means <clears throat> you're missing out on a portion of opportunity to be a wise steward of your venture. And that's really what it's all about. So if you get the chance to interview her, you'll find her to be delightful. You'll also find that she really does understand what areas your brand might be protection, protection from. And maybe you won't go through the $20,000 trademark lawsuit that I went to when I was co-founder of Restaurant Connect. <clears throat> In addition to that, you got directional advisors with Franklin Parker. Uh, I'm going to pick on financial advisors right now. Um, it is so annoying to me to meet financial advisors that are dead broke. I'm sorry. I'm just going to say it. Like, why in the world would I have somebody manage my money who isn't managing their own money in their own life properly? Um, then I met Franklin, who I brought in the show, and he's got some extremely bright ideas for innovations. And in addition to that, he's a great leader. He's uh, been selected as one of the last potential candidates. I think there's two left to be the voice of the CFA Institute. There's 685,000 followers for their financial program. It's kind of like the Hall of Fame of financial advisors. He's an award-winning author as well. Um, he has been, and we just met up the other day and gave me a big old hug and, and we went to, we went to lunch together, um, just yesterday. And it was so awesome just to get to see that in person, he's just as awesome and kind and caring as, as he is, uh, online, but in, and he's so good to our team. But in addition to that, he really understands finances at a different level because he ran a family home office for a billionaire. He knows how financial moves are made at the highest of levels. So, I do highly recommend checking his episode as well and uh, maybe getting him to sing and play the guitar because he's also a former musician. So a uh, fun person to know and have in your circle. Then there's the water project. Right now, my glass is literally empty, um, but I am so blessed to be able to get water. You probably are too. Within 10 yards, I bet, of where you're sitting, you can go get water. There's millions of people in this world who do not have access to that. I love what the water project is doing. I will never allow myself to rock this microphone without pointing out some cause that we can give back to in the world. There's 8 
billion people to help my friends. What I love about the water project is they show you the exact projects you're able to contribute to. They show you whether they're building a sand dam or a borehole well, and you get to see the outcome of wherever your dollar went. Now, if COVID economics has hit you hard and you're not in a position to give back, maybe just tag somebody on this. You never know. Maybe they are in a position to give $10,000 and save, uh, you know, really not save, give the opportunity for three or four of these communities to get the resources that they need. These kids that you see on the screen right now, they're celebrating water like it's Christmas day. Um, and it breaks my heart, but simultaneously reminds me of how much responsibility we have to give to those who um, have don't have the needs that we have access to on a daily basis. So if you can join me in that, awesome. If you have a cause that's like burning your heart, you're like, man, I want to share this, comment it. Give us a chance to explore it too. Let us have the opportunity to maybe even promote that as well, give to it ourselves. And, um, and let's, let's just continue to bless this world and shine our light without further ado, S.A. Grant, welcome to Vision Thank you Pro. for being here today. I'm really happy that let me click the right button. All right, here we go, man. You got me all nervous. <laughs> I definitely appreciate you having me on the show today, man. I was looking forward to this, this show for like the past couple of weeks and I know we've talked before, but I think today we're going to definitely leave behind something positive and motivational and inspiring for your listeners. Dude, hundred percent. Absolutely. Diving right in on that thought. What is your vision for those that you serve? <clears throat> it's kind of, it's a difficult question, but it's an easy question in the same sense. I mean, originally my, my first business was just kind of more so in design and trying to figure out how do I do more branding and, and, and more web design and more web development. And then as I progressed and as life happened and things have happened in my life, then I realized that I was not leaving behind essential breadcrumbs for my family or someone else's family. And that was the dawn of Boston Cage. Mm -hmm. But then if you take that, I was like, okay, Boston Cage is growing. You know, we have, you know, thousands and thousands of downloads. We have multiple different avenues as far as our overlapping corporate structure. But I was like, how do we think bigger than that? So I was like, okay, well, there is Udemy, which is a course platform, right? Yep. Then there is lynda.com, which got bought by LinkedIn. There is also... Right. Um, $2 billion. <laughs> Just saying. Yeah, yeah. Same. You think about books, there's Kindle, there's audiobooks, there's Audible, there's all these different facets of this different content on multiple different platforms. And I always say like there's eight, 8 billion people in the world. And as far as Boston Cage go, I know we're not going to be able to talk and communicate with all 8 billion at the level that we want to. But right. if we only get a fraction of that percent, that's the goal what we're going for on an international scale is creating a platform that's both half education and half entertainment and merging both those worlds together. And to your point, like I said earlier, it's gonna be books, it's gonna be audio books, it's gonna be courses. And again, it's all gonna be driven by the Boston Cage brand and what we're doing every single day behind the scenes. I love that. That I mean, we got so much synergy with that with the Academy of First Class Businesses as well. Um, our write up on the future of education, you know, uh, Facebook has built, they've changed their platform from a personal driven platform back in 2017 to a community focused platform and focusing on groups. And then they, you know, launched uh, met as meta and they bought uh, big stakes in Coursera. Um, and I don't remember the other name, but there was two course platforms and they've invested who knows how many hundreds of millions of dollars in Oculus as well, all with that same intentionality that it's, it's creating amazing realities, visionaries. You, you're not, you're not being outpaced by Facebook. You're not being outpaced by SA Grant. 
your con contribution matters. Eight billion is not a number that's even quantifiable to understand. So if you feel like you're like, oh man, I, there's too many coaches out there. I, I can't be, no, how many more math teachers do we need? You know, we need you on this. So thank you again for, for paving the path on this. What's your vision for you? On my end, it kind of goes back to partial vision of what I have for Boston Cage. It's, it's making sure I leave a legacy of breadcrumbs, not only for my family, but for the family of the people that I'm interviewing and the people that I'm helping. And that's why our content is always evergreen content. I want people to look at our content 20 years down the road and be able to get value and take action from it. That was the big thing for me. And then I was like, okay, well, I could do that locally. I could do that nationally. What is that looking like on an international platform? What is that looking at at international scale? So, you know, like being more of a futurist, I started collecting software like baseball cards and collecting lifetime deals like baseball cards as well. And some of those lifetime deals are like translation software that will allow me to translate videos into multiple languages, translate copy into multiple languages. So we're not just limited to, I always say, if you look at English in the scheme of 8 billion people, English is the minority. It is That's not right. the majority. So I want people to understand that. Like, I mean, if you were just to go to Asia by itself, the, the, the languages that are spoken there outweigh America or outweigh English, you know, essentially 10 to 1. So just understanding those principles and then diving into those markets on a global scale, hence what you said earlier, with me traveling overseas and being more established in an international format in the middle ground between multiple different lands is the direction that I'm going in. It's, I'm, I'm living my vision as we speak. That's phenomenal. Now, have you lived abroad before? Uh, I wasn't born in the U.S., so I was born in, in Trinidad and Tobago. I uh, grew up in New York, way of Atlanta right now, done a lot of traveling. So to answer your question, you could say, yeah, I wasn't born here, but, you know, I was a kid. So I don't really look at mm -hmm. it as in, in, in today's memory. It's not something that I can articulate without going back there to kind of show show someone around. 100%. I get that. Um, I lived in, in Uruguay for two years um, when I was 19. And I got to see, you know, the world from a completely different perspective, right? Mm -hmm. uh, you, you guys heard when we started this podcast, I was talking to Cynthia in Spanish. Um, and, and I was like, oh, boy, we're live already. Um, you know, and so we jumped in. But um, my vision is to bridge the economic gap between South America and North America. Mm -hmm. right? that's, that's what I work for every single day um, on what I do. And, <clears throat> you know, you, you can only do so much, right? You, gotta, you can be your best self and show up and do everything that you can and go to bed happy knowing that, that you gave your all. And that's kind of how I look at things and, and how I go about that. For the visionaries out there, you know, if it's, I also want to say, it doesn't matter. Like if your vision is to be the best stay-at-home mom on the earth, you rock that, right? That's that's your, that's your calling. It's your heart and mind that that tells you that. What what would you say to the visionaries who are out there? Like, is there any vision that's too big or too small? And and how, how, do, how do you figure out vision? I, I mean, it's a funny thing that you ask that question. I, like people look at Elon Musk and they probably say he's crazy. But in reality, Elon knows whatever he's building and developing is not for this generation. It's for mm. future generations. Right. That's so, right. I mean, if we get to Mars, it's probably not going to be in his lifetime, but he's planting those seeds to get to Mars. Much like right. if you go back in time with, with the Wright brothers, if they didn't. Yep tend to try to make a plane fly or Ford didn't, you know, make the Model T. All these things at those period of time were crazy. People yep. looked at them as like, what are you doing? But without that dawn, without that start, without that spark, we wouldn't be where we are right now. So I would just say that there's no limitations. It's just when does technology catch up to where 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 you want it to be? I love that you shared that. I'm mean, going to bring up one of the OG books. This is one of my favorites. Um, it's called As a Man Thinketh by James Allen. This is an 1800s book. Um, you know, and, and he didn't get to live to see a lot of his legacy. He died um, in his 40s. 
Um, but the man was blessed with so much vision. I mean, I, I can imagine writing a book of this caliber and quality without first reading the compound effect, without first reading uh, all the books that you mentioned, right? We, we, we are blessed with so much wisdom that we could put into place in our lives. And I, I see you drinking that up and then being willing to put it out there. Back to what I saw in Uruguay. A lot of these individuals don't even know that LinkedIn exists. They don't even know that Canva exists. They don't know that there's remote work available. They could be the ones that they, they think they need the degrees. They think they messed up in school and they don't have the chance to go back. Now the, their societies are structured based on different cultures. Every single culture, you know, has different um, constraints that come along with the protections of security that, that probably exist too. But that's our opportunity as online digital identities and leaders. They are seen on YouTube, right? More and more things and opportunities of like, oh, wow, okay, maybe I can do this. So inspiration is one of those visions that that I hope uh, both of our audiences gravitate towards and say, you know what, I can make a bigger impact than I realize, even though I might not be able to shake somebody's hand in the process. Yeah. What are your yeah, thoughts on that? I, I, totally, I totally agree with you. I mean, I, I think people, that they don't really understand the magnitude of that 8 billion people, right? In the US, we're roughly 300 million. We're not even at a billion. So I want you to put that into the scope of, of where we are in the world and look how much things have been accomplished by the US. And the US is like the landmark for technology and all these different things. Imagine if you took a fraction of that information and you would transpose it into another language. That's right. And then you get that other culture a little bit more up to speed. They could easily surpass us quickly overnight yes. once they realize what they have access to. So don't don't fall asleep. <laughs> on it. Like I said earlier, English is not the dominant language on the planet that we live in. And until we get to Mars, you know, you least focus on the planet that you that, that you live right now. So, dude, I love that. That's so. When I was a video power marketing with Jake Larson, um, you know, he's a YouTube ad expert of the world. And we had 70,000 people per month coming to the website. Like I didn't do that. They already had that done. And I, it, but I was so, so I was like, oh my gosh, like there could be some kid in Sri Lanka right now learning about Jake's video systems. Who's going to outperform us in 15 years because of all that Jake's laid down in or in five years. Like how amazing would that be? I, I think it's cool. I, I think there's enough oxygen to go around. I also think there's enough of every other resource out there to go around if we distribute it properly. But let's dive into some of the darker subjects real quick. Uh, you know, what what is the worst leadership experience you've ever had, or or, or you know, it could be yours. This could be one you've seen. Mm -hmm. Let's teach. I, I'll use myself as, as an example of something that I've I've experienced. Because I mean, everyone you have to start from the bottom and work your way up. And I think for me is probably having a leader that does not believe in the future sense of your capabilities. And when, when, I, when I say that, I mean is, okay, let's say someone says, okay, we want to create AI. And they're like, nobody else is doing AI. Nobody really understands it. And you look them dead in their face and you tell them, I'm willing to learn it. I can make it happen. Give me a shot. And they look at you dead in your face and they're saying, no, you can't. And just by them saying, no, you can't, from a leadership standpoint, for most people, that would downgrade them as an individual in what they're trying to achieve versus someone that's going to look at them. And for me, I'll put a middle finger up walk away and still keep pushing because at the end of the day, I'm not saying that that individual was wrong, but for any person that's a leader that's not willing to then give their team or give their internal personal resources access to grow and outweigh them, again, the only way you really become really wealthy is you have to hire people that are smarter than you and are more intelligent than you. You don't need to be the pinnacle of everything. Wow. I almost messed that up in the exact same scenario. Uh, my my third designer, I fired two designers. I messed up twice. 
right? But I didn't know it. I said they messed up. You know, they got all these great reviews, but here I am and I fire them. And I'm looking at, at the third scenario and it didn't go very well. And I'm like, oh man, I keep pointing my finger at others. And then there's three fingers pointing back at me, right? So the fourth guy comes in, you know, I, I'm hiring all these people on Fiverr. And I thought, I had this nasty, horrible thought, is this happening because I'm treating them like a, like a transaction at Payless Shoes? <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I started, I was like, wow, okay, here's what I'm going to do. And I asked the gentleman, I said, what's your favorite holiday? And I asked him, and do you want to be the best designer in the world? Or do you have ambitions outside of design? This is back in like 2014. And he goes, uh, I, I want to be in artificial intelligence. Like he was way ahead of the curve, you know, he's like, I want to learn everything I can about artificial intelligence. And, uh, I happened to be connected to the guy who worked at Google X at the time on, on training robots, how to train other robots. Um, and so I talked to him about that a little bit. We just, we just chatted about that reality. I paid him the same amount as I paid everybody else, but he came to work. Mm. I stopped committing virtual abuse, right? They say VAs, that's virtual abuse, right? No, I started to treat him like a human being. And mm. my gosh, the types of results that we got just by taking a little bit of interest in that individual changed everything about the scope of work that we continue to build together. We're still friends to this day. Um, you know, and so, yes, we, we, we all have the opportunity to make these shifts. You know, I, I was guilty and because of it, I made a change. I said, you know what, I'm gonna treat people better from here on out. So moving into the best leadership experience, uh, what's your best leadership experience look like? I would just say pound for pound. I think no matter how much money or how much money you're not making in a corporation. And again, this goes back time and time again, if you look at all the founders that have made companies that were belly up that were on the brink of disappearing and then they kept their team alive is just simply showing gratitude. I think that is the primary thing because to your point, somebody may work really, really hard to do something. And for you, it may, maybe it would have took you 10 minutes. It took them two hours, but they dedicated a complete two hours to get that thing done. And maybe it's not a hundred percent. It's equal to you, but it's 85, 90% close. But if you just give them that gratitude and then you tell them little things that could change, they will eventually get as good, if not better than you in the long run. That might be my favorite answer out of 200 um, right there. Like gratitude, huge. I've seen that too. Um, you know, again, when I've seen it, when I'm not grateful, right. Or I forget to express it, but I also see it when I do take the time to express it. Now, visionaries, you may not have the time to do that all day, every day. Mm -hmm. um, and at the same time, it's, we don't have time. We make time. Um, you know, if we make time for the right types of, of leadership principles, it is amazing what can happen. Um, and I, I love the principle that you share about the, the two hours thing. Um, you know, that might be two days. It might be two weeks, um, right? That you're training somebody. I do know that IBM, when they hire a new sales rep and they hire very, very well, they have lots of systems in place to pre to, to, to really study people out before they bring them in bo on board. And then that sales rep has to shadow for an entire, not week, not month, an entire year before they're allowed to touch the phones. You know, as startups, I don't think SA Grant and I have the budget to, to put people on that path uh, at the same time. All the more reason as visionaries and as young startups that are out there to be that much more patient with your people and be that much more invested in how you train them if you want to get the results of a company like IBM. If this was the uh, the last chance that you had to share a powerful lesson, 
What powerful lesson can other visionaries learn from your experience? It's a quote that I wrote a long time ago, and it's a very short one, but it's very precise when you actually break it down. And it goes, um, life is parallel to existence, but perpendicular to time. And so it kind of goes what we were talking about with like Elon, right? I mean, obviously Elon understands that quote very well because he knows that his time on this planet is very short. And he knows that his time is going to end eventually. But whatever he's creating and developing now essentially would be a forefather for things to come in the future. So that way, by default, he could live forever. Life is parallel to existence. But hit me one more time. But perpendicular to time. Per. Bendicular. I want to save this like immediately because that's one I want to absolutely come back to and explore. Uh, there's a lot of poetry in that. Um, and that's, that's, you know, some of my favorite stuff, um, you know, where you can like look at it from different angles over and over and, and learn new things from it as you consider it. Thank you for that. Um, if we were to uh, dive in about your, you know, you, you've got a lot of content online. You got a lot of guests that you've had and You've been involved in a lot of seminars and stages. I don't want to guide you to one. I'd rather know from your side, what should we be focused on right now? Those people who are, are looking at SA Grant and saying like, oh, all right, where are you headed? What, which, which wagon are we going to jump into? Are you talking about from my perspective or from your listener's perspective? Hmm. Your choice, actually. Either door. I would say from from a let's say standard podcast. I mean, we're both podcasters. That's the common denominator plus business, right? Mm -hmm. I would just say, I think if anyone is stepping into business and they're trying to figure out how to market, how to sell, how to make community, like all these different key phrases and keywords that we've heard and took courses for, the easiest and the simplest way to get all those things achieved is to start with a podcast. Okay. And when I say that, I want you to think about a podcast that's been around since the dawn of time. Yes, it's a new format, but TV, radio, newspapers, all of it is just media. But that's again, right. now it's media that you can create, that you can control, you could own. You don't have to pay royalties. You don't have to pay fees. Essentially, everything that you're creating, you can then leverage. That is a game changer in itself. Like yeah. if you think about in time, it was impossible for a regular person to go say, hey, I'm going to start a new radio station. I'm going to get a radio antenna. I'm going to get That's this right. FM. I'm going to get this AM. Now you can do that in less than 24 hours and start your podcast. And again, season one should be garbage. It should be. That's right. <laughs> should be, right. And then Ooh. as you grow, as you grow, then you'll be able to look. I look back at my season one and I hear my audio quality and I'm completely embarrassed. But I say, you know what? That is a that's a time capsule. It shows the evolution of where we were yes. and where we are right now. So that way you can kind of see you can start from the bottom and then you can work your way up and get better as you keep on progressing through that system. That's right. So, so many people feel like that that first impression is everything. Um, right. And it's not. It's the first impression. <laughs> you know, that's what it is. Um, and so it might have an impact on some of the future. Uh, reality of the story, but you know, not every story has to start out perfectly. In fact, usually the best stories don't. Um, and so, with with that said, too, essay like, how do we? Why do people do that? Why do people feel like they have to be perfect? What What's your thoughts on that? Well, it's easy, man. If you look at television, you look at media, and again, we're talking about media in general. What do you see? You see Beyonce, right? You see Jay Z. Yeah. You see Donald Trump. You see Essentially, billionaires, like the top 1% of the 1%, and out going back to the 8 billion again, this, this is a fraction of what the real world really is. 
So in reality, it's like, yes, that's something that you could strive for. But much like if you wanted to play for the NBA or the NFL or baseball, it's unlikely. But when it comes down to podcasting, you can be the top seller. You can be the best of the best. You could be the Beyonce of your world if you stick to it. Absolutely. So these distribution methods, um, you know, again, we used to send messages, um, you know, with somebody on horseback um, if they were lucky enough to have a horse. Um, right. And now, like you said, they didn't have the ability to say, you know what, I want to go live to a platform where there's a billion people. Um, you know, that's exactly what we have access to. Um, you know, are we going to be uh, the right type of noise, the right type of message that people are going to find irresistible and dive into? We don't know. You know, you got to try. You got to just you got to keep optimizing. What's your favorite channel right now to promote content on? Uh, where would you say is uh, like your focal point? I would say there's an overlap, right? I mean, obviously, there's different demographics for different reasons. Mm -hmm. I would say LinkedIn is great for business, but LinkedIn is starting to get a little bit noisy, right? It's starting to get a little bit overlap with the personal. Mm -hmm. And then obviously, believe it or not, I still like Facebook. I mean, Facebook is just a monster. And keep in mind that they're still absorbing other corporations to stay ahead of the curve. So if you love Instagram, Instagram's owned by Facebook. If you love WhatsApp, Yep. It's owned by Facebook. So in reality, even though you don't like Facebook today, you're probably using one of their descendants in some time or the other. Absolutely. Um, you know, and it's it's easy to not like something. Um, you know, it's easy to call something out for not being perfect. I mean, like none of us are perfect. Um, so the, <clears throat> hey, look at that. Here we are live right now. Weird. Um, it's like getting into the macro, micro, the matrix. Um, but all this, all this content that you're producing on different channels, um, you know, to me, visionaries, these channels, they're resources like water and fire or any other element that's out there. Uh, it's just an opportunity. And so if we if we alienate ourselves from the channels, um, you know, or, or worry too much about like, you know, oh, man, should I be here? Or should I be there? Uh, we're I think we're getting distracted from the point. You know, are we showing up for the people that are on the platforms? Yeah, I mean, it's a key word. I think people, they've heard about it. They maybe know the definition of it, but omnipresence. And so omnipresence does not mean that you're the focal point on all platforms. It means that your content is being distributed across all platforms or as many platforms as humanly possible. And the reason why I like to do that is because I never know when my Instagram account may go from 10,000 to 300,000 if I keep posting content on it and then the demographic shifts or the market shifts or Instagram has a new AI tool that's or a new algorithm. Again, why would I want to start from scratch on that platform? If I already have the content, then I should just distribute the content and focus on my core platforms, which is right now Facebook and LinkedIn. But I have content on probably at least another 20 other platforms as well. That's right. And you're crushing it actually on YouTube. Um, you know, so you got almost 2000 subscribers. You were right in fact, bam, um, you were almost at that 2000 mark and these channels, they're not easy to build. They, they take time and energy to, to put out there and all this content. Look at that. Jesse Dobeck. It's not business book. It's Facebook. Um, right. I went to his conference back when he was, uh, you know, really moving up the ranks and ladders of, of influence, you know, so what, what, um, Again, visionaries, like, for me, maybe I'm wrong about this too. S.A. Grant, what do you think? Um, top of funnel is distribution of, of voice, in my opinion. That's what's usually drawn on the marketing world as well as how do I distribute this to the right people or to more people? Um, how important is distribution for visionaries that are out there and 
what what are some things they should look for in terms of like, man, should I just start my YouTube? Should I start my Twitter first? Should I dedicate everything I have to LinkedIn? Go ahead. Yeah, yeah, I, I totally agree with that. I mean, it, it's it's to the point to where like our YouTube channel, for example. I mean, it's monetized, but do I pay that much attention to YouTube right now? No, I don't because my my end goal, my end thing that I'm going for is more so a Roku TV or a Fire Stick television. So I'm just essentially creating content and I'm storing it on YouTube right now. Right. So think of it from that from that standpoint. For the future, once I decide, like I think right now we're at maybe 700 videos. Once we hit like 12 to 1500 videos, then I'll know for a fact like the time frame as far as hours go, I will be able to play an actual Roku station from Monday on the first of the year until the next year, the first of the year, consistently straightforward with the man hours that we put into our actual content. So that's what I'm going for. Right now it's just a storage space. But to your point, if you're a user. Whatever platform you use, that's the platform you should go. It's not about chasing after what someone's telling you to do. If you're on X, then be on X and become the best on X. If you're on Facebook, then use Facebook because all these platforms work if you work them, but none of them are going to work for you by themselves. That's right. And in essence, what we're talking about right now, everybody, is breaking free. Um, right, is really taking off these limiting beliefs, you know, and feeling like you have to be boxed in and have to control everything. Uh, you know, we can we can work on ourselves. You know, we can make sure that we are doing putting in the hours and getting the things done that we need to get done. Roku TV is interesting to me because, <clears throat> uh, you know, people we're, we're so guilty of pushing features over benefits. Um, you know, which means talking about the mechanisms. There's so many channels right now. I've been hit by a couple of podcasters lately. Me and my clients saying like, "Oh yeah, now we're on Roku TV." And to me, it's like, that's just another platform. Like, you know, and I don't watch TV. So as a non-consumer, as a producer, uh, I don't necessarily have my attention on that the way that I should. Um, and you do. So what are we missing here about Roku TV? Well, you got to think about it. I mean, radio mm -hmm. was first and then yeah. TV was second. Yeah. Radio and TV still exist now. They're huge. So we have these other variants of it. So as a podcaster, what would I look like not having the visual aspect? Yes, YouTube is great. Yes, Vimo is great. But ideally, in today's world, you think about it at scale. Like today, I made a post about Tubi, right? So Tubi, they had a new brand launch. They changed their logo to talk to the next generation, right? And they, they have a particular demographic that's growing. Their, their shares are like roughly about 70%. But most people probably don't even know what what Tubi is, or people probably never heard of Freebie. And again, Freebie is a sub network of uh, Prime from Amazon that they bought a few years ago. So think about it. If, if the big bad boys in the game, essentially, because Tubi is owned by Fox, Fox is owned by Disney, Freebie is owned by Amazon. If you have the, the top three biggest media outlets buying up these smaller television stations or these TV channels, then we're doing ourselves a disservice. We're missing a complete mark of oh, the sad. next generation of what the visual reputation is going to be. And again, it's on demand, much like YouTube is, but it's the convenience of having a remote control versus having a laptop or a cell phone. It's still very viable. Absolutely. And, and you talked about paying attention to what are the wealthy entities in the world buying, right? Not just spending time, we're not just sponsoring them, but they see, wow, we could invest our money in all sorts of things. And we've decided to consume this particular device. Now, I remember watching Periscope come out and Mark Cuban and, and uh, Ty Lopez talking about how they didn't think it was going to do too well and take off. Sure enough, it, it ended up dying. 
Um, you know, and that said, there's, there's a lot of opportunities that do die, but these ones that do get acquired, you know, they, they do, they're signs of life. They're signs of, okay, you know, Periscope wasn't the problem. It was probably the leadership and the lack of vision, lack of culture, lack of, of, you know, marketing. There's, there's a lot of factors there. Um, what do you think? And and were you familiar with Periscope? I used to abuse the living hell out of Periscope. I love that platform when it came out. Cause again, Uh, it was the first of what we're doing right now. That's right. Um, and so there's a lot of success with that. And you, you talked about that earlier and how, you know, it might not be our call to be the one who gets to Mars, but that does not dilute the value of the path that was paved, even though we may not be the one at the end of the path, you know, celebrating the, the destination. Um, and that may not be our call. So what what happened to Periscope? Why do you think that it didn't it didn't become like Roku TV? I mean, I think it's secondary. I mean, where's Vine, right? I mean, Vine was around the same time as Periscope, right? And again, like people were Vine famous, like they're TikTok famous. So like these things come and go, but they're the same exact formats. They're not really changing anything. Again, it just comes down to the media spend, the ad budget, and then the target demographic, and then adding key features for that generation. TikTok is a good example of that. Like those short form videos sounds a lot like Vine to me. I mean, what, what is the difference between exactly what it is. TikTok? I mean, TikTok started off as music and people dancing in front of videos. But if I remember correctly, Vine was essentially doing the same thing. You know, it was like, I ain't going to do it for the Vine. I ain't going to do it. And that became like something that everyone on the Internet knew about. And then Vine just disappeared. So yeah. I would think things come in phases, much like Zoom. Zoom is, is, the, is the end all be all right now because of COVID. But they, it's not the, the original. It's not the first. I mean, there was WebEx and all these other programs that came out that were corporate-driven platforms that completely suck in comparison to where Zoom is today. Absolutely, WebEx, GoToMeeting, um, the lots of different challenge, lots of different channels that are there. Visionaries, what's the some of the lessons involved in this? Are know your history. Um, you know, when I say there, your history, I'm not talking about the books. You know, about American history and world history. All that's fine. You can consume that too, but. If you're on the path of entrepreneurship, we have so many great stories, modern stories too, where you can see what happened to those entities, why it might have happened. And there's a lot of insider access from people who are using the platform first to people who used to work at those platforms, you know, or like Thomas, the storytime guy on Vine. Like I remember watching his storytime things and thinking they were so funny and cool. I need to look up and see what happened to that guy. Like, where'd he go? I know he's doing something. Um, you know, if he's still around, he's got to be doing something fun or cool or a founder or something. He's, but that's yeah. the evil thing. I mean, much like Elon, Elon founded. I mean, now we know where yeah. he's founding, but he's these are not the first foundations of, of companies he's created to get him to where he is. To your point, you have to kind of do your due diligence. I mean, if you think about like chat, I think our generation now, they look at chat as something that's <sighs> secondary, but they had no clue that AOL was the first chat message. Right. And that was like less than 30 years ago. So yes. think about that. I mean, like it came out, parents were like, what the hell is this? Kids were like, oh my God, I'm talking to my friend across the ocean. And then now, <laughs> right? So yeah, it's it's the yeah. seeds, man. It's all about the seeds and where things are going to be. And technology, the way it advances, I mean, we AI today is not going to be AI two years from now. It's going to be a completely different monster. Dude, I, I just saw that Google launched the new AI with for video games, um, you know, where they... They, they took 200,000, they let an AI study 200,000 hours worth of video games. And now you can give it a screenshot of what you want your game to look like. And it will build a game based on that. Like that's, 
I was like, dang, like the applications on this, you know, they're just, um, they're almost unimaginable still. Yeah. Um, so it is, it is amazing how many different technologies are coming out with that. So breaking free, let's hit that directly. Okay. What does breaking free mean to you? I mean, the name of, of my company is, is Uncaged for a reason. I mean, I think everyone, they have the nine to five mentality at one time or another, right? You go to school, you get your degree, and you can't wait to get that six-figure job opportunity outside of school. And then once you get that job opportunity, then leadership may suck. You may not get the advancements. Somebody may stab you in the back. Like all these different things are all part of the real world, especially in corporate America. But I think people, they, 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 they get to the point to where now I want to become an entrepreneur. They want to become uncaged. They want to break those golden handcuffs. So that's the main thing that I'm focused on is like the individuals that are in corporate America that are, they have their little side gigs. They may have a little real estate side gig. They may have a little real estate pod, podcast on the side. But the reality is, is like, why don't you then figure out how to make that full time? Why don't you become your own boss? Because no, until you become your own boss, you're still under the regime and the handcuffs of the individual of the corporation that you're working for that you may not have even met before. Absolutely. Uh, Visionaries, one of my hopes with Vision Pros Live and why I connect all these leaders and why I also interview overlapping individuals, um, why, you know, is I believe in the law of abundance. I believe in the fact that like, you know, not everybody's going to like the medicine or the, the cooking of Jackson Callum. Um, you know, and some people are going to gravitate towards SA Grant in the process. And I've got these books like James Allen, who I no longer have access to. You know, he, he could have been alive, um, you know, theoretically. Right. Um, but he could have died. And then if I don't have a backup James Allen, you know, like now I'm I'm stuck, you know, with one water source, um, you know, that, that's now depleted. And I don't know go, where to go for the next one. So Peter Drucker, um, you know, was was that guy for me as well with effective executive Robert Kiyosaki, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, et cetera. Like all these people. Now, I have never called Robert Kiyosaki on the phone. Not yet. Right. I haven't reached out to him. Not yet. Uh, Entrepreneur on fire. John Lee Dumas. Right. I recorded a video for him. I have not sent it yet. Um, you know, to say thank you for the path that he's, he helped me create um, by, by serving behind the scenes on, on what he did. Um, the. So S.A. Grant, bringing up, bringing up, breaking free, um, if you have a desire to connect with him, my invitation to you is, is to be bold and make that connection happen because he was also one of those people on my radar where I was like, you know what? And I really like to have him on the show. I'd really like to have his wisdom come forward on this. And he was that opportunity. We made it happen. And now every single person who's listening to our show has been blessed by his wisdom. That, that just took reaching out. You know, what are, what are your thoughts on that? Who do you reach out to? How do you get connected to these individuals that have been on your shows? So, I mean, that's, that's a really good story and it's very impactful for podcasters because I think season one for me was I was a business person before, so I had a Rolodex. Season mm-hmm. two is my Rolodex is Rolodex. And then at the end of season two, I was like, I'm chasing the fire when I should just be putting fuel on the fire. And then I, I retroactively went back and realized that from season one, I guess I was having some pretty good downloads in the first six months. And I started to get these emails. And I, and I, I actually talked about this on PodFest before. And I, I've named them podcast recruiters. Podcast recruiters make all the difference in my podcast because now I have about 20 of them. And essentially, they'll send emails randomly to me and say, hey, we have John Smith. John Smith is a multi-billionaire. He's done X, Y, and Z. Here's his dossier. Here's his resume. Here's everything he's done. Would you like to have him on the show? And then I got to the point, I was like, why am I chasing again? So I went back and I looked for all those emails. 
and I made a smart folder, collected all those emails, and then contacted every single one of them. And then I, some of them I gave carte blanche so they can just book at will. So literally when I go to my calendar, I've had people that I've never met that's just being booked, but I know they're at the particular caliber that I'm looking for. I know that there's not going to be anyone that's just popping out brand new without any education level to what we're talking about because now they're doing it at scale and they're getting paid to do it. That's the other thing about podcast recruiters. They're getting paid thousands of dollars to find top podcasts. So all the due diligence that you would have to do to have a conversation with someone or have multiple different conversations to see if you want them on your show or not, I've cut all that out. So like my steps and procedures are if a recruiter sends them and it's booked, and the information is filled out in my form, I'll be there, they'll be there. And that's that's the end of it. So now we are at probably about 400 episodes. We've only aired about 230 of them. So that's our backlog. So we have a backlog. If we were to record an episode today, our backlog for that episode is not going to air until November 2025. Wow, that's awesome. That infrastructure, everybody, That's that infrastructure is something that the most visionaries and entrepreneurs are sorely lacking. Um, and it's not something that I recommend building from scratch. Um, I just don't. It is not. It's not easy to build by yourself. Um, you know, it's very hard if you don't have that integrator. Um, I think SA Grant and I have both been integrators, um, and in, you know, both in the companies that we've been at the past. Um, and I stayed behind the scenes for a long time. I liked being behind the scenes for my vision. Now I am the face of it, but I won't be forever. And that's the beauty of understanding the role of integrator is it's not Jackson Pro's life. It's Vision Pro's life. So we'll be expanding the hosts that we have here as well. We already expanded who does our pre-shows. I'm going to honor this podcast recruiting aspect a little further too. We had um, Crystal from Loop Studios. Uh, She brought Bernard Chong to us. Um, And Bernard Chong did an awesome job on the show. And she just teed me up with Miss T. Sandifer. Tamara is amazing as a leader, 2022 woman of the year. Her and I talked today. We both come from similar family backgrounds. She's got, she's got a little brother and, and she's one of five sisters for him. I got five sisters, like the uncanny nature of our, of our stories. And she's somebody that I'm looking forward to introduce you to SA Grant as well. Now, in addition to that, we've got our Facebook group for Oportunidades de Trabajo para Latinos, which is opportunities for work for Latinos. And what we're doing is training these individuals how to become digital marketing ambassadors. In the process of becoming digital marketing ambassadors, we're teaching them how to find leaders who are excellent fits for our show. And in the process, they become basically affiliate marketers without the trash of teaching people that it's all about the money, right? It's not. It's all about the proper connection. It's all about the authenticity. Um, And that's so there's lots of different strategic mechanisms to put into place to expand the vision, the empire of your vision. Um, and that's my that's my hope and my goal for all of you visionaries is to look and say, you know what? I want SA Grant helping me build this. I want uh, T, Miss T helping me build this, or I want her involved and I want to support her foundation. Uh, I want Bernard Chong to become an investor of what I do. Use the network, you know, get yourself established. And uh, I hope, uh, you know, above all else, if you have people in your life that are are tearing your vision down. Like S.A. Grant said, they're, they're telling you that you can't, you know, maybe you give them the middle finger. I'm also guilty of doing that sometimes or empowered to do so, depending on how they come at us. Right. And most times I can look at people and say, you know what? I love you. Goodbye. Um, you know, it's time for me to move into a territory of people who say, I bet you can. You know, I'm here to support you. Hey, I want to help build that. You can find people like that in your network. 
That's really the whole design of this process. So if you want to connect with SA Grant, feel free to drop a comment um, on the episode on the platform of your choice. We'll make sure that we tag him on that. Also, make sure to check the action steps in the landing page to see what programs he has available. Uh, SA, man, do me a favor. And, and as you update your programs over time, just send us back what you need for people to be able to connect from this episode to that, because I think you're right. I think this episode is going to stand the test of time. And all these principles are going to apply uh, 10, 20, 30 years and beyond. So, man, is there anything you want to share before we before we wrap up today? Yeah, I think the last thing that, that you talked about is, is essentially getting more people to help you and essentially building a podcast network is, is what you were talking about. So in that space of genius of where we are right now with technology, and I want people to really listen to what I'm about to say. In today's world, like prime example, I have two AI avatars that look exactly like me, that have my voice. And it allows me to create an unlimited amount of content. So if you're looking at it from a standpoint of YouTube channels, Roku channels, courses, you really don't need 10 hundred people to build out all these platforms anymore. You can then leverage these AI tools that sound like you, that look like you, and you can create a lot of different things at scale and be able to rival the companies like Udemy or the bigger companies like Amazon. You may not be able to top them over, but you could definitely be like a, there's a shark and you're the fish underneath the shark getting like the leftovers. But those leftovers are still worth millions, if not billions of dollars. That's huge. Absolutely. And on that same token, Stephen A. Smith, phenomenal, phenomenal host of some great shows on ESPN. He is not ESPN. Uh, though yet he has a massive brand. And so all you visionaries have the opportunity to do the same. Whether you do that through podcasting, whether you do that through newsletters, whether you do that through any other source of mediums, our hope is that you will distribute your goodness to the world because the world is waiting for all of us to show up and provide our best service. So everybody have a fantastic rest of your day. And thanks for joining us on Vision Pros Live. Thank you for being here today. I'm really happy that you tuned in to Vision Pros Live. I'm looking forward to seeing your reactions as these episodes continue to move forward. This is going to get more and more fun. We'll have more and more engagement as well. We'll invite people to participate in the show. And thank you for giving us your time and attention. Have an excellent time building out your vision.